Good morning, believers. I'm Seth. I'm one of the teachers here, and I'm joined by two wonderful special guests who you may be familiar with. Guile Smith is our senior pastor. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. All right. He loves it when people clap for him, so, you know, thank you for doing that. <laughs> he hates it. But we love making him feel uncomfortable. I have a very cares. fragile <laughs> ego. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Tim Hart, who is our men, men, men's ministry leader, our men, one of our men's ministry leaders. So we are really stoked to get to have this conversation yes. this morning. We are just going to carry on the conversation that we got started last week on rejoicing. If you've been with us for the last few months, you know that we have been talking about living the lifestyle of Jesus, talking about how... If we want to have the abundant with God life that Jesus lived and promised to us, we need to practice Jesus's lifestyle. And what that means for us, we've kind of summarized by saying, ordering our daily lives around practice of the spiritual disciplines and the Holy Spirit's power. And so we're talking together about how to practice the disciplines of Jesus, starting with prayer. And we are using Pete Gregg's P-R-A-Y acronym to just kind of break down the, the movements of prayer as Jesus taught them in his teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, what we call the Lord's Prayer. So we've talked for several weeks about pausing. Last week, we started our conversation on rejoicing. And this is, as we talked about last week, it's connected to the broader discipline of worship, but we're talking specifically about cultivating a habit of rejoicing in our personal lives of prayer with the Lord. And we talked about the fact that this idea of rejoicing, really simple at its basic essence, is about recognizing and responding to the grace of God. Rejoicing is about respond, re recognizing and responding to God's gracious goodness toward us. And so we're going to explore more of that, but we are talking specifically about how to cultivate lives of rejoicing through the practice of praying the Psalms. And we talked about how praying the Psalms is how Jesus learned to live a life of prayer and praise. That's why we do it. Because if we want to live lives of prayer and praise like Jesus, we need to enter the same school of prayer and praise that he graduated from. And that is praying the Psalms. If you want to know more about why, you can re-listen to the message. Last week we got into a little bit more of how we know that Jesus prayed the Psalms and all of that. But this week, as promised, we're going to dive into how do we do it? How do we do this? How do we effectively learn to use the Psalms as tools for prayer? And so this morning we're going to talk about kind of two different, almost kind of opposite ends of the spectrum of different ways that we can use the Psalms as tools for prayer. And so I'm just going to interview these guys because the Lord has really used the Psalms really powerfully in Guile's life and in Tim's life in some similar ways, but also in some unique and different ways. And so I'm just going to talk with them about how the Lord has taught them to use the Psalms for prayer. And within their experience, we're going to find some principles that can help us all learn how to pray the Psalms together. Does that sound okay? Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. So, Guile, I want to start with you. And I know that praying the Psalms has been a really important discipline in your life, especially over the last few years. And so I wondered if you could just tell us really simply, 
how you use the Psalms for prayer and just kind of what the effect has been in your prayer life as you've done so. Yeah. Um, well, if, how many of you guys are raised in a tradition like me that it wasn't a real prayer unless it was spontaneous? Right? Like we're under this impression that if you pray a prayer that's already written, there's it must be because you don't actually know how to pray. And what I found with the Psalms is the opposite is true. Um, that any prayer is good. Anything we utter to God is a good prayer. There's no such thing as a bad prayer. But if we want to mature in our prayer, um, the Psalms teach us a language. You know, I, I, I was on vacation. We were out of the country. And where I was at, there's like three or four languages spoken. And at best, I could say thank you and more. And for me, baños is very important, too, just at my age. And so, we're, I don't know. I didn't plan on that. But, but, but while those are effective, they're not as effective as learning each of those languages could be. Does that make sense? Do you know God's really big? I mean, he's really, really big. And, and do you know that? Me in my world is actually bigger than my immediate emotions and experience. And so what the Psalms do is they invite me into a world that has language adequate to the size of God and adequate to the size of my own life. Right? Because if all I do is rely on my emotions this morning to tell me what to pray, it's a pretty narrow world. Right? I'm angry about this, and that's all that matters in an entire galaxy. And all that matters about God is his ability to answer what I'm angry about, right? But what the Psalms force me to do is enter God's world on his terms, in the size of the God who made this universe, and to also lift me out of how small my and narrow my vision is of my own life. How many of you guys have noticed that the emotions you felt even an hour ago might not have been that accurate? You were just super mad about, or super excited, or super scared, and, and now I don't even remember what I was scared about, Right? So, so the Psalms actually get us past, if you will, a less mature way of praying that's only dominated by my whims and how much I ate that morning. You know, you know what I mean? And, and so it helps train us in a new language. And so the way I do that, I, I've had a couple different ways I do it over the years. The easiest way is just one Psalm in the morning. And I just pray it. I don't have to feel it. Does that make sense? I don't have to, oh, you know. I just read it. Sometimes I'll just read it out loud. Um, and I'll go in sequence. You know, um, there's Moravian daily text is a, is a nice way to do it because they give you part of a psalm every day. They'll send you a little email. And I'll just read that prayer. And that's my prayer. And sometimes I'll catch something as I'm going through it. And if it catches me, I'll go, I'll, I'll stick on it for a minute. Or I'll just tell God, God, that makes no sense. But I'll pray it anyway because it's here. You know, and then I move on. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and, and the other one you talked about is five Psalms a day. You can divide up the month, you know, 150 Psalms and space them throughout the day. Like maybe one or two in the morning, one at noon, one around dinner time and one before bed. And why would I do that? Because it's kind of get, it's in, it's impinging on my day. It's interrupting my day. 
And it's really beautiful when God in his world that recenters me on him and pulls me out of my really small world about whatever I'm dealing, recenters me throughout my day. I don't do that all the time. I, I say, Jesus, are we into this now? Because, you know, unless God's into it, it's not really going to work that well. But that doesn't mean I have to feel it. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, one of the things I want to say that the benefits of just simply praying these Psalms over and over again, whether I feel them or not, or the one thing is it helps me get to know what God is like. One theologian said that the Psalms are the entire Old Testament sung. Mm-hmm. If you want to sing the whole Old Testament, just go through the Psalms. And, and, and so it'll teach you this wide view of who this God is, that God's interested not only in telling me he loves me, but in bringing justice, you know, doing stuff that like, I'm going like, yeah, I'm not really experiencing this right now at all. But here's the second thing. Not only I get to know God better, but it gives me language for my life when I need it. Because I might not feel like I have any enemies today. But I might in about three weeks. And then I know that psalmist language that God wants to defend me. He wants to come and, and rescue me. And God, my enemies are without number. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I have this language. Let me give you an example it, it, of the way that regularly uh, repeating these psalms and just going through them, it kind of buries that language inside of you. In fact, Psalm 119 has a young man keep his way pure. By keeping them according to your word, Lord, I have hidden your words in my heart. So my daughter, this was, um, she's 19, so this was 15, 16 years ago, she contracted um, a serious, serious infection in her lungs. Is If you've ever heard of MRSA, you know, it, it's, it's pretty serious. Well, it's in her lungs, and it's actually usually fatal from what I understand. And so they had to put... You know, a chest tube in her, which was draining her lungs. And your little three-year-old daughter's doing that. It's, it's disturbing, you know. And man, I felt powerless. So one night I'd gone home, um, was asleep, and I literally woke up quoting the opening words from Psalm 34. Where did I get those? I, I, I'd just been through Psalm 34 a bunch of times. But what was amazing was, it was like this, the Holy Spirit can use the data files that are already there. Yeah, yeah. And I just started pacing the house with authority, praying Psalm 34. Those who put their trust in you, their faces are never covered with shame. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And I know I'm praying the will of God because these are God's words. So God, Jesus promised, if you'll pray, John 15, you'll pray according to my will. My Father will answer you. And so, so what I found is it's just, it's not usually a very emotionally, woo, kind of experience, but it, it trains me in a way of knowing who God is, knowing what the world is, and gives me a chance to be able to do that when the time really comes. Yeah. That's so good, Gail. So option number one that Gail's talking about, about how we can use the Psalms for prayer is, just pray them as they're written out loud if possible. It is, it is helpful for us to say them out loud when we pray them and let them express for you what you do not have words to express. So just praying them and praying them regularly. And one of the things that uh, has helped me with thinking about 
this of what Guy just said is just Guy and I have a, a, a common love for jazz music, and jazz has such a unique. The, the thing that makes jazz so unique is the the connection between structure and spontaneity. That there is structure, and it's a very important structure, but it's there to serve these moments of spontaneous soloing by the musicians. But what I realize is so important about what we're talking about right now, about just praying the Psalms regularly when we don't feel it, is it's kind of like jazz musicians practicing scales all the time. They don't practice scales so that they can practice scales, but so that in the moment they have the tools they need to play this spontaneous solo that a person who doesn't know the scales can't play. And so I just think this is so helpful to emphasize for us, especially because we're not a church tradition that uh, typically has a really high value for repetitive things, saying them over and over again. But there's a, the thing that I love that Giles saying is that it's practicing, practicing this discipline over and over when we don't feel like it at all and when nothing spectacular happens prepares us to be people who can pray spontaneously effectively. Does that make sense? You yeah, have you guys ever listened to like avant-garde jazz? I mean, I, this pretty small group of people who has, it reminds me of a scene in the office where Dwight and, uh, Angela are talking. She goes, no, it's stupid. Jazz. Yeah, play the right notes, man. It, if you listen to avant-garde jazz, literally there's times where these guys would just come in, nobody knew what the key was, and they just said, go. And it was like, me, me, Cause there was no structure. Like we're past structure. We don't need a key. We don't need to tune anything. And people usually just go running out of the building when that happens. And so there's something about the structure that provides a coherence yeah, with both. God. And yeah. the structure serves the spontaneity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really helpful. So we're going to turn now to Tim, and we're going to talk through another option for how we can pray the psalm. So in contrast to Guile's really boring way of praying the psalms. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it feels boring a lot of the time, and I hope that you're catching a vision for that's okay, and that's even good, because something is still happening. Just like when we go to the gym and we work out, it's not so we can go to the gym and work out more, it's so that our muscles and bodies can be prepared for other things that we need to do, okay? So there's just praying them repetitively, regularly, but then we want to talk about a a more personal, a more emotional way that we can engage the Psalms. I'm going to go ahead and put this up on the screen. Option number two is we can use the Psalms as inspiration to write our own psalms, little p, not write our own new book of scripture, but write our own poetic prayers and praises to God. And just right out the gate, I want to ask you, Tim, is this thing of, (laughs) is this thing of writing our own psalms, is this just for emotional, gushy, artistic people? Yes. Why why would this be for everybody? (laughs) You either either have to have a goatee or wear sandals to write your own psalms. No, of course not. Well, talk, talk to us about why not. this would be for everyone. Has anybody ever prayed? Okay, so it's just writing it down. That's it. That's the message. You're just writing down your psalms. But we're using the inspiration of the structure of the psalms to say, God, how, how do I articulate this? And to, to underscore what they're saying, I prayed through the psalms for two or three years. I just... I just was just drawn to it. And I just praying the Psalms over and over and over and over and over. And then one day it's like, God, and it just came out. It's like, I need to write my own. I have things in the Psalms that are in me that aren't in these scriptures that I gotta, I gotta say. They have to come out. And it was birthed out of that. Um, 
So why should, why should we all do it? Quite simply, four times in the Psalms we're commanded to sing a new song to the Lord. And understand in an oral culture, they didn't have paper, right? They're not gonna, they wouldn't have told the Old Testament crowd, write down your Psalms. It would be to sing a new psalm. To sing a new song. So quite simply, we're commanded to, and all through the scripture, not just in the Psalms, 185 different times we see people responding to God, recognizing responding to God with a new song, with, with rejoicing. Exodus and Miriam, Exodus, Moses and Miriam responding to God parting the Red Sea and leading his people through on dry ground, singing a new song. In Luke, Mary and Zechariah separately, when they're visited by an angel, respond in song. It's like, Jesus, what? Well, God, you're bringing Jesus. In Revelation, when the elders and the four creatures and all the angels, when Jesus enters, is he worthy as the Lamb who was slain? We respond in song. The invitation is to write that down with intentionality, using the structure provided, and this gift, this treasure that he has provided to us, to write these things down. How do we overcome the enemy? In Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so, too seldomly in our Facebook, Twitter culture, whatever, do we take time to reflect upon, God, what you, what you have done for me to commend what God has done from one generation to the next. To tell our kids, maybe to, to hide in a conspicuous place, here's what, here's what God did for me when I was a teenager. Here's how God broke through for me when, when we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills, how we were going to get food on the table. When you were in the hospital, daughter, here's what was going on. Here's what God did. One cool thing is most of the psalms were prayed out loud, were sung repeatedly in the temple before it was destroyed. And those were, were God's prayers um, through us. But you have psalms that haven't been written yet, haven't been prayed yet in your temple, right in the new temple, that are just waiting to be written, just waiting to be sung for the first time. To unveil that new psalm in his living temple. So yes, it is for all of us. Excellent. <laughs> and I, I just, I love, when we were talking the other day, I was thinking about this, how, how cool it is that I think that this practice of writing our own psalms is implied even just by the fact that half of the psalms were written by people who just were following the example of David. So about half of the book of Psalms was written by King David, and they're his personal prayers and songs to the Lord. And then the people who he trained in worship, who were the worship leaders in Israel after him, carried on that tradition of writing down their prayers and their songs, and that's why we have the book of Psalms. And so even the book of Psalms in itself, it it is a complete book, it is scripture, and our psalms are not going to be scripture, but there's a tradition there for us to carry on. I love that. I I love that you're leading us in that, Tim. So tell us about how you've discovered the power of this practice of writing your own psalms and just kind of what the effect of this practice has been on your life of prayer. Seth, I love the analogy you shared last week of metaphorically, you clarified it's metaphorical, not theoretical, that the psalms help lift us up to God and bring God to us and meet us in this, this beautiful place. And it's what the Psalms do, the, the language of them. 
Um, so what I have found in, in a few different ways, one is just a freedom. If you've grown up in kind of charismatic, word of faith kind of tradition, it feels heretical to say anything that sounds kind of negative or, you know, it's like, oh, God, this is bad. It's like, oh, but I only feel it's bad. I know that you are good. Like, we, we get constipated in our, in our prayers. We, we don't feel like we can be honest to God. Right? Is anybody, you can relate to this a little bit? It's hard to be honest. So to reading through the Psalms in Psalm 13 here, uh, David say, how long, oh God? How long is it going to be? And maybe and we, we, we get the practice of praying that out loud through him, and maybe we get the courage to say, how long until I get a job? I'm tired of this. How long until the cancer is cured? How long until my loved one comes to know you, Jesus? How long is this going to be? And we can lay that before him and just receive his grace. We offer that up and he comes to us. He says, in my timing, child, rest in me, my child. And we can pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. In your timing, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We can be honest and just sit in the trust with him. Two, and I learned a new term recently from John Yoakum, we can, it's okay to pray imprecatory psalms, prayers of cursing and damnation. They're fun. Really. <laughs> One, because they're honest, right? There's no sense in hiding. If that's how you're feeling about a person or a situation, there's no sense beating around the bush. Kick their teeth in, Lord. Let creditors seize all they have and may strangers plunder the fruits of their labor. I barf that out to the way, and I've done this with two specific people and others just kind of, but two specific people, I have unloaded on them to the Lord and, and they just kind of sit there like, oh, that feels kind of gross. Lord, how do you feel about them? And then offer is an addendum and say, Lord, I know that's not your will for them. I know that they were worth the life of Jesus. Lord, I know that they were created in your image. But before time began, you looked forward in love. And you saw them. So, Lord, whatever is causing them to act this way, I curse that in the name of Jesus. Lord, deliver them from whatever, whatever's going on with them. Rescue them, Lord. Break through. Or pour your blessing upon them. And something really painful, if you're into this, you know the song, The Blessing, Lord, bless them and keep them? Think of somebody you're really mad at and sing that song as a blessing over them. That will mess with your heart as it has mine. So those people, when I think about them now, there's still a little bit of, but I just start singing that song over them. Lord, bless them. They have not done anything to, you know, to bless me. It is, it is living what Jesus talked about, of blessing your enemies. And that doesn't happen in our own strength. We need a guide like the Psalms to teach us how to do that. If I can just interject, I love what you're saying there. I think it's so important that we get a hold of is that Jesus calls us to love and to pray for and to bless our enemies, but he doesn't expect us to jump out of what we're actually feeling and where we're actually at and just be there or just pretend like we don't have the feelings like we have. He invites us, just like you said, 
to unload on him all of our true feelings about our enemies, all the things that we want him to do to them, and he, and he meets us in that place. But he, he can't do that if we won't let ourselves be honest with him and with ourselves about that stuff. Yeah, Walter Brueggemann, who's one of the foremost experts on the Psalms, would say that these Psalms that... I'm sure you, if you prayed through the Psalms, you're like, I feel bad about this. You know what I mean? Uh, is actually a healthy emotional practice that God gave the outlet to his people, not because he was going to answer those prayers. Does that make sense? But wouldn't it be better to work out your goo with God than with that person? Like that, your your poo, you know what I'm talking about, that's down in, you know it's there. Let's work that out with Jesus so he can, as Tim just described, rebuild us, reframe us, kind of get, suck the poison out for a minute so now you can think clearly because God isn't afraid of our mess. In fact, with these Psalms, he's permissioning us to bring it to him full force. Does that make sense? Tim, keep going. Share some more about yeah. how your life has been benefited through this discipline of writing your own psalms. So those two have been really big, but the biggest one that I can point to specifically, and it was a few months after going through LTS two years ago, um, I, was, I was delivered from lots of things. One of them um, was video game addiction. But it still had a place in my life, right? We can be delivered in a moment, but walking it out can still take time. So an encouragement for you LTS people, you need to rebuild new habits, right? you got to get to the gym spiritually to regrow some muscles that were awakened but need practice. You have to keep practicing these things. So I, <laughs> I did not want to quit playing video games, but I needed to. They were a huge wall they were preventing me from going any further. Jesus was on the other side saying, come on, son. I'm like, <laughs> just kept hitting myself against the wall. It's like, all right, I'm just going to honestly describe, so following a model of like Psalm 115, what is this thing? Right? It's, it's, back in that day, it was a cow made out of stone or gold, whatever, which doesn't do it for me. Maybe some of you, I don't know, but... <laughs> I had to write, and it was lengthy, I'll share just a little bit of it, that video games are, they're a bottomless pit that consumed all and returned nothing. They promise rest, but only drain. They market meaning, but only mock. It is the best that the kingdom of man can do. So hold that up, and it's a lot longer. That's, the, that's this thing. And over here, but you, God, are reality itself. You are before all, and in you hold all things together. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You set me free from worthless things, and I might live more abundantly. You've replaced my screen tapping with knocking, seeking, and asking. You are the mighty God of all creation, and there is none like you. Amen. That idol fractured. Just the power of honesty, declaring truth over that thing, God's truth. Most of the, the, the phrases of who God is were, I searched through the scriptures, verses that were important to me, phrases of who God is, and it was just line after line. Of, I'm not making these things up. I'm not asking you to make up things, but to respond to God. This is who you are, God. This is who you are. And compared to this pile of poo, 
Are you kidding me? Why do I why do I keep going back to that word? It took several more months for that to finally break off completely, but it needed that light, the Holy Spirit light to shine on it. Say, this is the truth of this addiction. And this is the truth of the of the universe, Jesus. So that was probably the most powerful way that the Psalms have, have, have been helpful for me. So beautiful, Tim. So we, I mean, just as the example, the, the examples that you just gave, we can use this practice to write all sorts of prayers to the Lord. Prayers of petition, prayers of lament, imprecatory prayers. Um, those are the God, please kill my enemy Woo-hoo. prayers. Um, yeah, fun. <laughs> but since we're talking specifically about rejoicing right now, I wanted to ask you if you could teach us a couple of ways specifically that we can use the psalms, uh, use this practice of writing our own psalms to cultivate a, a habit of rejoicing in our lives. Uh, I'd love to. Um, there's a few songs that we sing and psalms that we pray that we can all pray because we can all connect to generally. All right, we sang this morning, you turn the seas into dry land. You turn bones into an army. You turn graves into a garden. We can relate to that intellectually. We can relate to that spiritually. But for the most part, we can't relate to that personally. Or metaphorically, we can. Um, So there are a few psalms where it gives us a model, again, that structure that we can use to write our, to sing our new song, to write our new psalm, as it were. Uh, One of those is Psalm 136. It's much longer than this, but just a few of these highlights. That light right there. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his love endures forever. It's the Old Testament, what God was just saying. It's the Old Testament written in a line of events and interlaced with a, just a thought of God's character. We can do, this is by far the, the simplest way to get started. It's like one of those zero degree entry pools, like where you just kind of walk in. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want this. Let me put my toe in there. It's like, oh, okay, I'll take another step and just, we can just walk right into this. We all have history in our mind. We have things we can remember, and we can do so uh, joyfully. So following that pattern, we can um, describe something going on in our life, and then a personal reflection of who God is. You can take it right out of Scripture, or you can put your own words to it. Again, we've all prayed. We've all said, God, you're so good to me. You're this, you're that, whatever. Just write it down. Um, So for... For me, something like this could look like, when I was constantly distracted by video games, your patient love kept coming after me. When I was poisoning my marriage with digital demons, your patient love kept coming after me. When I was raising my hallelujahs for the thunder and the broncos, your patient love kept coming after me. When you broke into the jail that I built with my own hands, your patient love kept coming after me. 
You destroyed the idols, melting them by your holiness. Your patient love kept coming after me. I can't personally relate to Jesus parting, God parting the Red Sea and walking through on dry land. I can imagine it, see movies. That sounds pretty awesome. But I can relate to him setting me free from porn. Setting me free from video game addiction. Setting me free from from any time I felt stress or pressure or uh, running to any kind of escape I could. He had set me free from those things. And all I could do is say, your patient love kept coming after me, God. That's right in your Psalms. Just intentionally thinking about, God, who are you? What have you done? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good, Timmy. One of the things that I love that you're modeling for us with these bits of your own psalms that you're sharing is that there can be a temptation to over-generalize, over-universalize the things that we write and the things that we pray to the Lord. And also, in this practice of writing our own psalms, we can put a silly pressure on ourselves to make it sound more like the psalms did, like we're writing about these ancient things, you know, and yet the psalmists were just writing about the things that were going on in their daily life. And I love the example, I mean, I even just love the example you use of I was tap, tap, tapping on a screen and it was, it's been replaced by knocking and asking and seeking. And here's one of the coolest things with this, guys. Last week, I said at the end that we were going to talk more about how to do this stuff together, but that all we really need is to just go pray them and the Holy Spirit will teach us how to pray. And we got a sweet testimony this morning from Rob Searcy. If you guys know Rob, he and his wife Kathy head up our marriage ministry at BC. And he sent in a testimony using the share link that we've been talking about. So we do read them and we will share them if you will share them with us. This is proof. But Rob shared this this morning and I just almost came out of my skin when Anna came and told me this and I got to read this. He basically said, I wasn't really sure how to put into practice what was taught last week about praying the Psalms. didn't really know how to connect it to my daily life. And so basically, the Lord kind of gave me this idea to just sort of reword one of the Psalms in my own words and write it as a prayer to God. Not having any idea we were going to be talking about that this week. And guess what he did? He took Psalm 136, which is the one that Tim just used as an example, and he wrote his own Psalm. And it goes like this. My wife and I were able to get all the groceries we needed at Walmart today. His love endures forever. Although I have new health issues and concerns, I have my medicines and appointments for the next 30 days and am not overly worried or anxious. His love endures forever. While we lost seven of our 34 perennials in our garden to the frigid temperatures of February... The remaining plants are blooming beautifully now with spring flowers. His love endures forever. We have clean water that flows from our faucets for drinking, cleaning, and bathing. His love endures forever. I have a warm place to sleep that is clean. His love endures forever. 
And he just ends with this affirmation. My daily walk with him is where I live. I so deeply appreciate the ordinary, simple aspects of where I have unappreciated God and his caring for me. How sweet is that? Thank you, Rob, for sharing that with us. This is the stuff, the everyday stuff of life. God wants us to find him in it and then learn to praise him from within it. Might I just say parenthetically, if you know Rob, he couldn't be the more opposite of a gushy, poetic beatnik of any... He used to be the computer administrator for St. Francis Health Systems, okay? So his whole life is just a wonderful thing of stats. You know, it's just... Rob, we love you. I know you're watching right now. But think about that. So if you're saying, I'm not that guy... Yes, you are. Yeah, come on. You can do this. So the Holy Spirit is in the business of teaching us how to pray. Amen? So, Tim, why don't you share with us just this other example, the psalm of specific thanksgiving that we can practice. And I want to hit on that. Whether you feel like it or not, you can do it. Right? Whether you want to yes. or not. I heard this, this week a great, great phrase about obedience to Jesus. It's not just obeying the things that we agree with. It's obeying everything that Jesus said. Okay, let me just continue on <laughs> from that. Um, this other kind is so fun. It's like an action scene. Um, there's uh, three or four different times in in First Samuel and Psalms. If you notice in Psalms, it'll have a paraphrase when Dan- when David was hiding in the cave from somebody, or when Doeg the Edomite was trying to kill everybody. So there's this action sequence, and then it breaks away. It's like, what's going on in the cave? What's David doing? And then it turns back to, what did God do? Well, this is our life. We got all sorts of stuff going on, and then we got the inner dialogue going on. And then something happens. Well, what if we, what if we capture that and say, God, I was having a really hard spot. Here's my prayer. Here's what you did. It is, these are actually kind of fun. Right? Some of them maybe feel like work, but these are fun. Um, so it, it looks like in the, in the scripture, yeah, I think you got that. Um, David is hiding from Saul. He's with 400 complete strangers, these randos that are like, hey, let's go hang out with this guy. And some townspeople are giving up David to Saul. It's like, he's over here. And so they're going around different sides of the mountains. And he's in the cave like, God, save me. Rescue me. We can kind of joke about it now, but he was like, this dude's going to kill him. Right? God, save me. It's a bad situation. So God sends the Philistines to go attack somebody, and Saul calls it off. Delivers it. That's awesome! And he, and so equally awesome, he took time to record it. Right? We might, we need to practice this. <laughs> so, uh, for me, something that kind of looks like this and didn't uh, realize until recently, it's next week, in six days from now, it's gonna be the 30 year anniversary of when a tornado obliterated our family's home in Andover, Kansas. This is my psalm of specific Thanksgiving, just a bit of it. Creator of heaven and earth, you who ride upon the wings of the wind, you saw the storm coming, you knew the destruction it desired, you got my dad's attention and hid him in the storm shelter, you scheduled me to work and tucked me away in the meat locker, and you caused the angel of death to jump right over us. All of our physical possessions were destroyed. But by God's mercy and grace, we survived. Moved to Tulsa and... Dang. 
And four months later, I met my bride. I am specifically thankful for that. (laughs) And here's the thing. You can be thankful with me, but I'm the only person that has ever existed or that ever will exist that can pray that prayer from my heart. (laughs) You have things in your life that I can't pray. We all have so much to be specifically thankful for, to joyfully remember. Only you can do this. All of creation is longing to hear your new songs. To hear your new songs. It's one thing, you you give a a kid at a party a birthday present, and they walk away, and the parent comes up and says, Oh, thank you so much. Sorry about them. That's nice. The parent said thank you. But how nice is it if the kid looks you in the eyes and says, Thank you. The gift you gave to them, they're responding with thanks. What if those ten lepers, the one that ran, you know, they all went away, but one came, one came back. He said, Jesus, you healed me. You healed me. Thank you. Thank you. I was just checking with Guile just about the time because we were going to do um, kind of a little bit of practice here, but because we're running a little bit late, what I want to point out to you is we have, uh, there's handouts on your table. There's a, a full white sheet of paper. If somebody on the table could just grab that and then pass it around to everybody. There's a white sheet of paper that Tim wrote um, just giving a little bit of instruction on how to do this. And then there's a blue half sheet on your table that just has some space for you to write some prompts. It's not intended for you to be able to write your whole psalm, but just wanted to invite you. We we were going to spend a little bit of time doing it here this morning, but I want to invite you to take a little bit of time when you get home at some point today to just think over what Tim was just talking about, some of the experiences that you've had in life or that you're having right now that kind of connect to one or both of those different kind of models for writing your own psalm. And you don't have to write the whole thing, but just write down those little ideas, just some prompts for later, and then maybe stick it in your Bible as a bookmark. And then some, sometime this week, when you've got some time with the Lord, we want to invite you to practice this, whether you feel excited about it or not, to just practice putting your experiences with the Lord into a prayer, honest, real, exactly where they're at right now using the prompts that you write down from this today. And I want to plug this again. We want you to share your psalms with us. And anything else from your experience, you just, just your experience of this, if, the, if you tried this and it was great or you tried it and you hated it, we would love for you to share that with us. I think three people shared their experience of praying the psalms this last week. We would love to at least double that this week. Maybe six of you could share your experiences, but we would really, really, really love, if you write a psalm this week, we would really love it if you would share it with us and maybe even consider having the opportunity to share it yourself, to actually read it for us in the coming weeks. That would be really, really special. Got anything you want to add? Okay. Could we stand together? 
and practice what we are talking about. We have just chosen one of the psalms of the day using the, the five psalms app. I'm going to put two different selections from it. We're not going to pray the whole psalm, but just a couple selections from this psalm. And we're just going to read it out loud together as our closing prayer. Is that okay? This is a bit of Psalm 138. I give you thanks, O Lord. With my whole heart, before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the word of your hand. Amen. Just a reminder, if you go to bctulsa.com slash project slash praying the Psalms, we have a whole list of other resources that you can access that will help you in this journey of praying the Psalms together. And Guile, Tim, thank you so much for sharing with us from your journey with Jesus and the Psalms. Bless you all. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week.